You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And this week it is episode 237 and we're unintentionally appearing very, very professional and on top of things because we're covering a game that's topical as fuck right now. We just didn't plan it that way. Uh, We're talking The Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap for the Game Boy Advance. And I knew we would get to this game eventually for a couple of reasons. It's a Zelda game, and you Hyruleans move the needle. I get it. Uh, Plus, it's a Game Boy Advance game, and I'm always getting asked to talk more GBA. As I've said before, I just didn't play a lot of it back in the day, so I'm slowly catching up here. And it just happened to get added to the Nintendo Switch Online this month, which was a very happy coincidence. I was actually looking into alternatives to play this game. Uh, Quickly, if you've ever wondered, my stance on ROMs has always been I will not use them if I can buy a game directly from the rights holder. And Minish Cap just hasn't really been available on anything I own. I don't have a Wii U anymore or anything. But then Nintendo was like, here, Adam, play it with us. So like many, many of you, I did. I ran through it uh, over a few days on my Nintendo Switch. I really liked it. I would not say Minish Cap is my favorite Zelda game, but I would say that it's a contender for my top five. It's got awesome graphics, fun items, clever puzzles, a good story. It isn't very long, which is... I love 
short video games is outstanding. And my buddy Bradley McHugh loves Zelda games. And he has been on me to play and review this one for freaking years. Literally, since the first time he swung by the show. And we finally got to sit down and talk about caps that grant wishes. And wands that flip stuff over, which is still the best item ever. And all the other weird things that Minish Cap contains. And we'll get there in just a minute. Because speaking of containing weird things, it's time for another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. If you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Consider this your warning. Our intros are kind of long, but they're fun. They, we talk video games and stuff. They're neat. And they're not half as annoying as the goddamned kinstones in Minish Cap. Uh, but if you do want to skip it, go about 30 minutes up the road. Just fast forward 30 minutes. You'll hear the music. You'll be into the Minish Cap talk. I have to get my plugs out of the way. It's how we keep the bills on around here. We have merchandise. We have hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, posters, all kinds of stuff. Rocking uh, badass art drawn by my man Joe from 4545creative.com. You can find all of our merch. Remember the game podcast.com. If you're interested, it is a great way to support the show. And of course, if you don't do clothes, I get it. It's well, it's not, it's like minus 30 here in Edmonton today, but I was going to say it's kind of getting warm in some places, right? You want to shed the clothes? I get it. You can always just support us on Patreon. It's probably the greatest deal in the history of the internet for only two bucks a month. You get two additional podcasts every week. You get exclusive access to my gaming news show game patch every Friday, where I look at all the biggest news in modern games. I add in my opinions and some profanity and stuff and expansion pass goes live every Thursday. And that's a different show each week. We do rankings. We look back at characters, consoles, genres, franchises. We do comedy episodes. There's a ton of modern game reviews over there. Uh, this past week on Expansion Pass, it was actually episode 150. So I wanted to do something fun, and ranking episodes are always among our most popular. So I looked back at the games we covered on Remember the Game episode 101 through 200, and I ranked them all from worst to best, least favorite to favorite, whatever you want to call it. And as is becoming tradition during the intro, here is a sneak peek of last week's episode of Expansion Pass, ranking the games from the Remember the Game 101 to 200. Uh, but that's number 70. Number 69. Nice. On my list. Kirby's Dreamland for the original Game Boy. I have made my feelings about this game abundantly clear as well. Uh, I don't think this is a bad game. If you've never played it, it just got added to NES Online. Uh, you, I, I promise you, you can beat it in a day. When I was a kid, I, I've notoriously, I've told this story a hundred times. I spent all my birthday and Christmas money on this game and beat it the night I brought it home. First game I ever bought with my own money and I beat it the night I brought it home. And it's, it's a fine little game. If you have kids and you want to introduce them to a retro game, this is the game to go to have them play Kirby's dreamland. It is, it is not that hard. People can beat it. Um, it's a charming little game. It's well done. It's just very, very short and very, very easy. And I'll never fully forgive it for spending all my money. But number 69, Kirby's Dreamland. Uh, number 68, this is one of those ones that might get some ribble rabble. So that's now available on our archives. And this week, it's Expansion Pass 151. And our topic was in the hands of our patrons. And what would you do with the next Nintendo console? Came out on top. So that's what we're going to talk about. Our ideas for what Nintendo should do with whatever the Switch successor ends up being and it should be a nice fun speculative episode it should be good times uh so again two bucks gets you two extra shows every week five bucks gets you three extra shows every week including the rambling idiot where i talk about comedy stories i just did one where i ranked all the marvel cinematic universe movies i, I all kinds of fun stuff over there and beginning march 6th we'll be launching a fourth 
bonus podcast called Purple Monkey Dishwasher, which will go live every second Monday. And Mark McHugh and I will be breaking down Simpsons episodes. So that'll be available at the $5 Patreon level as well. And not only do you get instant access to hundreds of ad-free archive bonus podcasts, plus new episodes each or every week, you also get access to our Remember the Game Discord, the chance to vote in our Patreon poll every month that's running right now, the ability to submit comments to be read on all of our podcasts, you can DM with me, and you get a shout-out and get to hear me mispronounce your name like I'm about to do to most of these people. A huge thank you to all of our newest patrons sean muckle super nintendo chalmers edzone 55 alex Patton, david ewing ewing i think it's ewing oscar pang Lenin oscar p sorry oscar e i hope it's not e from entourage i fucking hate that guy david laws izzy no eight brian bradshaw my girlfriend calls me daddy but i prefer overlord me too chase steed ethan moon enormous asshole smarty kid dan almeida water water priest paul protus no miss soda no miss odin no miss odin i suck at this bula roger svan Caleb Workman, Chris, Jamie Morgan, and Curtis Fletcher. I'm sure I butchered a few of those. But thank you all so much for the support and welcome to Remember the Game Industries. You can find all that at patreon.com slash remember the game. And do not forget, 5% of our Patreon income gets donated to the Stollery Children's Hospital as part of my 24-hour stream at the end of every year. And we offer annual subs that'll save you a month's fee. If you want to just pay for the whole year up front, you save your 12th month. Ta-da, ta-da. And finally, you can find me on Twitch whenever I have time to get on there. Twitch.tv slash remember the game. Throw me a follow. It'll tell you when I'm online. You can come by and yell at me and tell me why I'm wrong and all those other good things, all right? That's enough blowing myself. Let's blow some of you by blowing in some cartridges. It is our opening segment here on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our patrons, usually gaming-related, but not always, and we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows, all right. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. <laughs> Let's blow our first blower this week is Joel White, not to be confused with Jaleel White of Urkel fame. Uh, Joel said, Hey Adam, I'm going to get the PSVR 2 next week. I'm already having second thoughts though. There are only a few games out for it on launch day and many of those are already existing games. The Horizon game does look good. I just don't want to buy myself into a corner, so to speak. What are your thoughts on the PSVR 2? Thank you. And is Canadian beer really good? Uh, so to answer your second question, like the craft beer and stuff is outstanding, but the big brands like Molson Canadian and stuff are just piss in a, in a bottle. They're garbage. But the, the craft stuff is outstanding. And I know it's hipster to be all into the craft beer these days, but I, I love me a good, nice craft IPA. And I, I don't drink, I don't like beer under 6%. I want my beer to, I'm here, for, I'm here, I know why, we all know why we're drinking the beer. Get me drunk, anyway. Uh, to answer your first question, uh, how do I feel about, I'm honestly indifferent on on VR. This is something we've talked about it a little bit. Some people have asked me. I, I have no real interest in VR. Uh, I certainly will not be buying a PSVR 2 day one. It's just too expensive. I don't see the games that I need to play it. Uh, I have some issues with motion sickness. Plus, if you don't know, I'm borderline blind in my right eye. So I don't have very good depth perception. I can't watch 3D movies or anything. Uh, and my eye uh, wanders. So with the PSVR 2 having eye tracking, I'm a little nervous that it's going to think I'm, it's just going to make me run around in circles all the time because my eye is all over the place. Uh, but even if my vision was good, I just, yeah, I, I, I have some issues with motion sickness and I just am not, I didn't care for the motion controls on the Wii at all. I fucking hate the Wii and I'm not that interested in VR. I'm more interested in VR for stuff like watching sports. I've said that before. I'd love to be able to like have the view of the catcher at a baseball game or 
be sitting on the bench at a hockey game or on the sidelines for a football game. Kind of that kind of stuff interests me more than actually playing video games in it. So uh, I'm not dunking on people that are buying into VR because people need to support technology and that's great. But yeah, personally speaking, the the PSVR two would have to be half the price that it is and have some games that I'm really interested in uh, before I'd consider. I'm a cheap man. It's not easy to get me off my wallet. And uh, VR is VR has very little chance. So I hope you enjoy it, Joel. I'm very interested to see what the reviews are like, but it, it's something that I am passing on for the time being, my friend. Uh, Chris Pynchon wrote in and said, The choice to make Super Mario Brothers the first major movie in Nintendo's movie revival is a bit odd. You yourself have mentioned that the Mario games have little to no discernible plot. Sure, they're capitalizing on the name, but they have other franchises that would do much better. Think about it. An animated movie about Star Fox, or an animated series about Punch-Out, following the growth of Mac, or any of the numerous fleshed-out plots of The Legend of Zelda. They have a bunch of IPs that would transition well to the screen. I really hope they have more movies in the works. Yeah, I we don't know for sure. I think they do. I I think I think Mario is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I think they've already said that they're they're kicking tires on a Donkey Kong movie it's featuring the Seth. I always get Seth Green and Seth Rogen mixed up. I think it's Seth Rogen that's doing the voice of Donkey Kong. They're they're talking about a spoo or a spinoff of a Donkey Kong movie with Seth Rogen voicing it. Um, I I think this is the tip of the Nintendo iceberg. I think if this goes well, we'll definitely see more of their franchises uh, make the, the the transition over to movies. I do agree that Mario doesn't exactly have the best storyline, but like anyone that like Mario is undeniably the biggest draw they have. And listen, I know you Zelda fans are gonna argue. Listen, I quite frankly, I think a Zelda movie. Like all things being equal, Zelda, like The Legend of Zelda, would probably make a better movie than the Mario Brothers. Like, I, I probably would. But Mario is just that name. Everybody knows it. This is a great way for them to open the door. Try to, I, I think what they're probably hoping for is that Pixar reputation where it's good for kids, it's good for adults, it's charming, it's funny, it's well done. And I think it's going to be. Maybe I'm setting myself up to just get completely disappointed. I think this movie is going to be really good. And I think they're opening the gate. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Zelda movie follow it. We'll definitely see another Mario movie because this thing's going to make bank. We'll probably see a Donkey Kong movie. Star Fox would be kind of neat. I would rather see Punch Out myself. Kirby would, you know, make sense, right? Like they, they've, like, they could make so much money off these. I think. You just lead with your best, you know, lead with your with your best foot. And and like it or not, Mario's the biggest franchise they've got. So I think it just makes sense. But I do agree. I think Zelda in particular would make a great movie. Uh, where was I here? I'd like to see a fucking Mario Kart movie. I oh my god. Like I know that there's Mario Kart in this one, but I just want a straight up Mario Kart movie. That'd be fire. Uh Tornado. Wrote in and said, hey, Adam, I was once on Video and Arcade Top 10 and actually ended up winning in the Hot Wheels World, or ended up winning in Hot Wheels World Race for the GBA. As a 14-year-old at the time, I was losing my mind. I came over to the prize wall and all I got was a $10 GC for the Ontario Science Center. You felt like Ralph when Lisa dumped him. You can see the exact moment my heart broke on television. My question for you, if you were on Video and Arcade Top 10, which game would you hope to play and what kind of prize would you have liked to have gotten from the wall? So just real quick, because I know I learned this. If you, if you go back in our archives, I actually interviewed the host of Video and Arcade Top 10, Nicholas Piccolis, a, a couple of years ago. And uh, I don't believe the show was on in the States, but here in Canada, it was on YTV and it was like a video game competition where they had four kids play a new video game and then whoever could get the farthest or get a best score or whatever would get to go get a prize off of a wall you draw a you know ping pong balls out of a garbage can and you'd match that number up with a prize on the wall and you win that prize and i love the show and i always wrote into it that's where i got the it's letter time it's letter time jingle and i always wanted to be on this show so i'm so fucking jealous of you god 
damn it. That fucking drives me crazy, Tornado. Uh, what game would I want to have played? I'll say anything like Tetris, a puzzle game, Dr. Mario, something like that, because I know I could have probably won. And then what prize would I like to have got off the wall? So there was always a red ball in there with all the white ones with numbers on them. And if you drew the red ball, you could pick any prize you want. And I never saw anyone get the red ball. So I would want the red one, and then I could choose. I always, I just like, it was like my equivalent of watching the DVD logo fucking hit the exact corner of the screen. Like, I wanted to see someone get that red ball so, so much. I don't even think it happened. I don't think it ever happened. I don't think it was possible, but that's what I wanted to see. Fuck, I'm jealous that you got on that show. That's sick. Uh, Smarty Kid wrote in and said, hey, Adam, finally, I can become a Patreon with my birthday petties. Happy you. I'm assuming belated birthday, smarty kid. I play games to relax and chill out after working 12 plus hours. So I'm not one for games that require dealing with stressful situations or super fast reaction to events. I get a lot of crap from people for playing boring games like Power Wash Simulator and Car Mechanic Simulator and the likes. I'm not a lover of hard modes either. Give me easy so I can relax. What's your opinion of these boring games? Do you think they have a place in gaming or are my critics right and I'm just not getting good? No, they can go fuck themselves. Anyone? I'll say, listen. I know that I break balls for PC Master Racers and I break balls for people that love Majora's Mask and I make fun of Kingdom Hearts and shit like that. But like, just play the fucking games you want to play. Let the haters hate. I, truth be told, so as you all know, I, I'm known to partake in the pastime of smoking marijuana on occasion. And uh, when I do that, I have a hard time playing most video games. I just can't. I know some people like to get baked before they play. I can't play a lot of stuff. So Power Wash Simulator has become one of the games that I go to when I just need to like completely shut my brain off and just unwind. I don't think there's anything wrong with those fucking games at all. Power Wash Simulator is tight. That game is so much fun. It's very relaxing. And as far as you're not a lover of hard modes, I'm not either. Outside of platformers and like kart racers and very few exceptions, I usually play my games on normal. And sometimes people come by my streams and ask what difficulty I'm playing on. I got to be honest, like do you, but 99% of the time I see no appeal in playing a game on hard mode. All I do is get pissed off and I'm not even having fun. Again, there's exceptions, the games that I'm good at, but I'm not good at very many games. That's why I don't play the Souls games and Elden Ring and stuff. I'm just not very good. And I just end up getting mad. And as you, I may or may not know, I have a bit of a gaming rage problem. So I like to just stick to normal. I don't go to easy. I just stay on whatever the default setting is most of the time. And then I'll tweak it if I have to. I, I Some people think I'm boring because I love to play golf games. I'm playing PGA Tour 2K or PGA 2K23 right now. And some people would say that's kind of boring. But I like to crank the difficulty up a little bit. And I like to just space out and play golf. Fuck you. Fuck anyone that hates on what you play. Just play what you want to play. Tornado. Other than the Sega Saturn. Or pardon me, that was Smarty Kid, not Tornado. Pardon me, Smarty Kid. But no, fuck that. Play whatever you want. Play it on whatever difficulty you want. And let your critics critic. Fuck them. Uh, Eddie Mendez wrote in and said, Do you remember when your dad or mom or an adult in your family would play games with you and you thought it was the coolest thing ever? Do you think our kids today will think that about us? Or has playing games gotten so mainstream today that it would just seem normal to them when they see us playing games or help them beat a level? Uh, I do think that it's just normal today. I think that, yeah, it's just become so mainstream that for an adult, like it's probably still fun for a kid. Like I know whenever I play vids with my nieces and my nephews, they get a kick out of it, but I don't think it's like as big a deal as it was like when I was a kid in like the eighties, if I could get my mom to sit down and play Dr. Mario with me or my uncle Brian, uh, my uncle Brian was my dad's youngest brother. He passed away last year and, uh, he was my favorite uncle. He was like a big brother to me. I love that guy. And uh, I remember when I, every time I would rent Ninja Turtles for the NES, he would sit down and help me try to figure out how to beat it. We never could because it's Ninja Turtles. But it was so special to me. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it's just like when you're a kid and, like, if you can get, like, a, a grown-up to, like, just wrestle with you and play with you. Like, it's just fun to play with a 
an adult. Whereas now, I still think it's probably cool, but yeah, I do think the novelty is kind of gone a little bit because now they just, I'm not going to speak for everyone else that's older than me, but like I'm 39. And when I was a young kid in the eighties and the nineties, uh, my parents didn't grow up playing video games. So to get them to play a game with me was a big deal. Whereas a lot of parents today did grow up playing video games. So I don't think it's as big a deal. Uh, I don't think that they'll feel it as special as we did, but fuck. Yeah. It was special. With oh my God. It was like, I thought that was like a fucking God when I could get a grown up to play video games with me when I was little, uh, especially if I could beat them. Then, Oh buddy. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, the great Partini said, Hey Adam, great Partini here with my number one sidekick, Jackson, AKA Jax, the destroyer, AKA my eight year old semen demon, classic semen demons. Just wanted to let you know that as a listener, you are the reason my love for Nintendo has been reignited. My knowledge of Nintendo property sadly ended with the Nintendo virtual boy before I got my original PS one. I've been listening to your podcast for the better part of two years now. And it's because of listening to how passionate you are for retro games that I've decided to start collecting all the old game systems of yesteryear with my little boy and let him experience things the way we did before everything got so HD and stuff. Not that it's a bad thing but nothing is worth doing if you're not going to do it right start from the beginning and work your way up to today's gaming i would love to see you someday do a top ranking of star wars games thank you for all you do with this podcast and keep up the great work p.s fuck the saga saturn <laughs> see fuck for saturn uh what is up Jax the destroyer i like that handle uh yes i you know what it's funny that you say that because i don't have children but i've always said if i ever had kids I would make them start out on the NES. And I know some people think that makes me look like an idiot, but I'm not having kids. I don't think you look like an idiot at all. I think kids should know their roots, know their heritage. And NES is heritage in my fucking house. So if I had kids, goddamn right, that's where they'd be starting. Um, and yeah, and then let them work their way up. I agree. I think that's a great way to do it. As far as the ranking of Star Wars games, the only Star Wars games that I have played are... Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars Episode One Racer and a little bit of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. So uh, to give you my official ranking, uh, KOTOR at one, Episode One Racer at two, and Star Wars or Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga at three. But eventually I'll play more games, but that's all I've played right now. So that's my official Star Wars ranking. I, mean, I just saw them. I just saw the movies like a couple years ago. So now I got to get caught up. And then finally, we got to move on. Thank you for writing in. As always, Partini, one last stop. It's letter time. It's letter time. Eric Christian Powers Esquire wrote in and said, subscription services seem to be the future of gaming. But do you ever feel that it cheapens the experience a little? If 10-year-old Eric had hundreds of games at his disposal to play on a whim, I probably would have just been perpetually jizzing in my pants. Instead, young Eric got two or three games a year. And if I wound up with a stinker, I would still make the best of it and play it as much as I could. Nowadays, if I come across a game, not from perpetual jizzing, mind you, that doesn't grab me after the first five minutes, then on to the next and it's forgotten forever. There's really no opportunity for a game to grow on you when they're so disposable. Would you agree? I would. I can't decide if that's a good or a bad problem. Um, because I've said that before as well. Like just the, and just the Switch. Forget Game Pass. Forget PS Plus. Forget all those. If you had just given me a Nintendo Switch when I was 12 years old and been like, it's got a ton of NES and Super Nintendo games on it. Even if it wasn't portable, even if I just had to hook it up to my TV, it just had a ton of NES and SNES games on it. I would have had my mind blown. Um, Cause you're right. There was just something about it back in the day before subscription services and before these types of things, when games were super expensive and we weren't getting free games every month and you had two or three games a year or whatever you got. And that was what you had to play. That's why I love Barbers of the Space Mutants. I wouldn't love Barbers of the Space Mutants at all if I started playing it today, but because it was the only one I had as a kid, I played it over and over. So I do think that kids are, I think it's a blessing and a curse to have these subscription services and have so many games available to them because you're right on one hand, I, like it's, it's just great. Like more, who doesn't like playing a new video game, right? And it, it, 
When you've got instant, like you, you sign up for Game Pass or PS Plus, you have instant access to hundreds of video games. That's the sickest fucking thing. You don't like this game? Throw it out, move on to the next one. As a parent, I would assume that that's the way to go for sure because it's so much cheaper than having to buy them a bunch of new 60, 70, 80, $90 games. You just sign up for a 10 or $15 a month subscription and be like, there, every game you need is there. Go play it. Leave me the fuck alone, right? Like I think that that's great. Um, but I do think, yeah, they're missing out on the experience. But I, I think in a way that's no different than like... Um, we used to go rent a video game for the weekend. And it was like, this is my choice. Whereas now you don't have to do that. You download a bunch of demos, try them all out. We used to have to pick based on the box art instead of going on YouTube and Twitch and watching full playthroughs and everything. I think that there's both... There's both pros and cons. I think it, I think nostalgia is a powerful joke. And I think any of us that grew up in that era have nostalgia for what it was like growing up in that era. I think kids today will... I don't even think it's possible to make them understand how we're attached to that because they'll just never know what that was like. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, and to be honest, like me now as an adult, I wouldn't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to one new game every three months. I like the fact that anytime I want to sit down and play a video game, I could turn on one of my consoles and just pick from dozens and dozens of games. But I do think you're right. It does, it does take away from the experience a little bit. So, but I, I, I think subscription services, you said they seem to be the future. I've said before, I think they are the future. I think in 20 years, if not less, that's just how we'll play games. They'll be no different than Netflix or Spotify or any of those things. I know some people don't like it and that's fine, but I, I just, I really think that's where gaming is going. Um, I don't know how every kid in the world today doesn't just have ADD out the ass because like me, I, as I'm recording this, I'm looking at my Twitter on my phone. Like, it's just like, there's so many different, your brain can go in so many different directions now. I don't, I don't know. Kids are fucked. Kids are fucked today. That's what it is. Not like us. We turned out good. Anyway, uh, thank you for writing in. As always, everybody, I appreciate it. We got to move on. Let's change things up and get to our Smash It segment, the official game show of Remember the Game Industries. Play one, remake one, erase one. And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week I give our patrons three retro video games. They can play one as it was released, remake one however they want as a modern game, and the third is a race from time forever. And as always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. And we'll get there in just a minute. This time around, I went with three of the highest rated GBA games on Metacritic. Uh, we have Metroid Fusion, Golden Sun, and Advance Wars. And 33% of our voters said they would play Metroid Fusion, remake Golden Sun, and erase Advance Wars. So let's see what a few of you had to say here, and then I'll tell you what the right answer was. Rob wrote in and said, Well, this was the first one posted that actually makes me feel things so heavily. All three of these games are so important to my gaming history as the Game Boy Advance was my first real obsession with games as a kid. This is going to hurt but I'm going to erase Advance Wars. It's an amazing game and I'm pumped for the remake, but one has to go. I'll play Metroid Fusion. That game is damn near perfect and still holds up great to this day. And I'll remake Golden Sun. It's one of my favorite RPGs. Played through it a dozen times as a kid. I'd be amazed to see it remade in the style of Octopath Traveler. Keep the retro look with the updated effects and animations. I will say I totally agree on Metroid Fusion. That game is fucking... Fuck, I love that game. Cannot wait for that to come to Nintendo Switch Online. Everyone needs to play it. So fucking good. Uh, Tripra. Wrote it. Good, uh, good answer, Rob. Tripra 
wrote in and said, having never played any of these titles, I'll go with what I know about them. Play Golden Sun. I don't know anything about this franchise, so I'll try it. Remake Advance Wars. I'm going through a phase of tactical games and I've not played one with modern weapons and vehicles. Erase Metroid Fusion. As much as it's a part of the mighty Metroid franchise, there are plenty of others to play. And you know what? That is sad. Like, I'll be goddamned if I'm going to sit here and erase Metroid Fusion, but I'm not going to... You notice I haven't been putting a lot of double secret probations lately. I'm saving those for who really deserve them. And Tripra does not deserve double secret probation because you are right of these three franchises you could erase metroid fusion and metroid would be all right it's a great game and i hate erasing it but i get the logic a uh, stupid monkey wrote in and said tough choice since we have a game i love and two that i haven't played but i would like to i'm gonna play golden sun as i've played the sequel and i enjoyed it i'm gonna remake my beloved metroid fusion even if it's just a graphical overhaul on the switch and then i'm gonna erase advanced wars because we still have wargroove and that's apparently the same game that's a solid point that i didn't think of i love wargroove and P- i've never played advanced wars i know before you yell at me I'm just waiting for the re-releases. I'm going to play them. But I have heard that Wargroove is basically the same game. So it does make you wonder. Could you erase it and be fine? I I get the logic there. Uh, Bullbrosaur said, Play Metroid Fusion as it was a blast back when it released and I prefer the 16-bit graphics as it is. Agreed. Remake Golden Sun because it's my all-time favorite RPG as a kid and I remember sinking hundreds of hours into it but I also remember it being very difficult although maybe that was because of my age. A remake in the vein of the Link to the Past remake would be amazing. I think you mean the Link's Awakening remake. Um, whatever. And then Advance Wars. Erase Advance Wars. I remember playing this one a ton as a kid, but it doesn't compare to the other two, so it has to go. Love the pod, bro. Keep it up. I love anyone that loves Bulbasaur, and I'm assuming if Bulbrosaur, you love Bulbasaur. So you are right by me. And Normal Normie said, Play Metroid Fusion is too unique in the series to erase, and so there's little to improve upon for a play-on-the-go experience. It stands toe-to-toe with Super Metroid. Agreed. Remake Golden Sun. Keep the battle short but fun with plenty of room for strategic depth, and I think a remake with voice acting, upscale visuals, and a bonus dungeon or boss rush mode will put this over the top. Erase Erase Advance Wars. I can only erase one of these if I imagine that putting a bullet in the head of the original doesn't kill the whole series. In this case, the original Advance Wars would be the least missed. Its sequel, Advance Wars 2, is everything the original is but more and better, so I can rest easy knowing the brutal Poro... Oh, play one, remake one, erase one, God's sadistic desires have been sated. It says Poro-yo, but they just abbreviated play one, remake one, erase one. Uh, I like it. Good answers this week. It was all over the board. I'm going to agree with the runner-up. 20% of you, including Max Renault, who even almost has the same logic as me. Max says, I'll remake Advance Wars because it's already been done. I'll just play it on the Switch when it comes out. I'll play Metroid Fusion because GBA Metroid is amazing. I'll erase Golden Sun. Don't get me wrong. It's great, but one less JRPG can be accepted and rules are rules. It will be mourned. Those are almost the exact same reasons I would use as well. I would play Metroid Fusion because it's too goddamn good to erase and it doesn't need a remake i'm gonna remake advance wars and i'm gonna do exactly what max said i'm just gonna make it the reboot edition that's coming out on switch in a couple months and i'm just gonna play that and i'm gonna erase golden sun and i very rarely erase games that i haven't played but i love metroid fusion and i'm more interested in advance wars than another goddamn jrpg we can live without one i'm sorry so sound round or sound logic thank you so much everybody for playing what have i been up to over the last seven days uh i'm gonna get into that in just two seconds after possibly a quick word from a sponsor This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting is a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly, I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it, 
Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And BetterHelp is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RememberTheGame today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RememberTheGame. What have I been playing over the last week? I'm playing Legend of Dragoon, still working on it. Fuck me, it's long. I'm still playing Marvel's Midnight Suns. Fuck me, it's long. But I'm almost done, I think. It's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be reviewing that on Expansion Pass probably next week is what I'm hoping for. Uh, Wonder Boy and Monsterland. I've been playing to get ready for next week's episode of Remember the Game. Fun little game. And then I've been playing Dead Space Remake. And it's been fine, but it's just kind of fallen to the wayside for me because I just finished playing Dead Space a couple months ago. And it's great, but it is just more of the same. But I, I am playing it, and it is neat. It's a, it is a pretty cool little game. So lots of good games out these days. Anyways, let's talk Minish Cap. That's why you kids are here. As always, I like to give my listeners a chance to sound off before my guests and I hog the microphone. So let's rip through a few comments here. DP Pooper, not to be confused with the plane hijacker, said, My first memory of this game was playing the demo in a Walmart, and I knew it was going to be special. Minish Cap didn't do anything groundbreaking, but it felt like a combination of the best parts of all previous top-down Zelda games. The gameplay, the charm, and the quests are equally fantastic. I would agree with that. It is, yeah, it's it's a really solid game. I have a couple minor gripes, and some people bring them up in the chat here. Uh, and you're going to hear about the rest on the show. But I, I agree with that, DP Pooper. MS45 said, I never owned a GBA and just played this one on the online service. Not a single regret about checking this out first. The only thing that may keep me from playing it again someday is wandering around those freaking clouds looking for kinstones. Other than that, love this game. Agreed. And we get into that in the review. That fucking part where you're in the clouds looking for kinstones can eat my ass. I hate that fucking part. Lord Diabetes 01 said best on-the-go game for the Nintendo Legend of Zelda continues to always bring out the hits. Plus, who doesn't like shrinking into an underpants gnome? I referenced the underpants gnomes too. I'm so glad someone else brought them up. <laughs> phase one, steal underpants. Phase two, and it's just question marks. And then phase three, profits. Fucking golden. I love that episode. Oh, I love South Park. Andrew Wright said, I played through this recently and I'm happy Nintendo has made it available to the masses. At times, the backtracking made the game feel like a bit of a slog, but I'm guessing the limited size of the cart made this somewhat of a necessity. Yeah, I think it, people do need to remember it is a GBA game. I agree. Uh, I didn't mind that nearly as much as looking for those fucking kinstones in the clouds, though. And Bradley Morton said, I replay this game once a year, and I love it the same every time. It's such a charming little Zelda game, and Vaddy definitely needs a comeback in the new title. Top three Zelda game, in my humble opinion. That's high praise. I don't know if it makes my top three, but it's on the cusp of my top five. And I'm going to talk about that right now with my boy Bradley McHugh, who's been on me to review this game forever. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm going to queue up some music. And when it stops, Bradley and I are going to take a look back at The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, which originally released in North America on the Game Boy Advance on January 10th, 2005. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Let's go.
All right. So joining me via the blank phone this week to talk the Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap, which is so fucking topical because you and I started talking about doing, I mean, you've been out. Okay. First of all, my guest is Bradley McHugh. How are you, Bradley? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. No complaints. Pretty good. You and I have been talking about doing this episode. Fuck. I feel like since the first time you came on the show and I just haven't had a chance to play this game. And then I was seriously just settling in to play it and I didn't have access to it on anything. So I'll be honest, I was going to emulate it. And then literally like the day before I sit down to fire it up, Nintendo's like, by the way, Game Boy Advance games are on the Switch right now, and Minish Cap is one of them. And I was like, that's a sign from the gaming gods. And so this is about, I couldn't, I was blown away. And I was like, so this could not be a more topical episode, and it was completely unintentional. That we're reviewing this game that just got dropped on online. I know a ton of people have messaged me saying they're playing it for the first time. I just played it for the first time. I liked it quite a bit. I I don't think I'm quite in love. But I really, really liked it. But Bradley, you have been up my ass to talk about this game for three years. So why? I'm why? enamored by this game. Okay, so I do I do like have like so this is one of my favorite games of all time. And I do have like a lot of reasons as to why this is my favorite game one of my favorite games of all time. I put this in my top 20. I think it is for my money one of the best Zelda games and for my money, also the best Zelda handheld game, unless you can't breath of the wild as a handheld, which I kind of do, but kind of don't. But sure. either way, um, I would say like Minish cap is definitely the best of the game boy Zelda games, in my opinion, as well as DS and three DS. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, and, I, and, I, and like, obviously subjective. So, but you would totally. put it ahead of link between kingdom or link between what was it called? Link between Link Between Worlds. Realms. Yeah, Link Between Worlds, the 3DS one. Like, I'm just asking, like that one that's like the successor to Link to the Past. You you'd rank this ahead of it? I'm not. No argument. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. And All I right. actually played Link Between Worlds like a couple of months ago, and uh, like I played through that, and I still think that's a really good game. But there's way more that pisses me off about that game than stuff that pisses me off about Minish Cap. Fair enough. Um, All right. Fair enough. Yeah, and also. Oh, man, this is just like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but like Minish Cap is the best looking Zelda game. It's so, it's maybe not as good looking as the Link's Awakening remake, but it is a fucking gorgeous game. It is so beautiful because the GBA has held up. Dude, yeah, I gotta. I need to. Up. Yeah, I was. I was like saving it to talk about that for a second because I. I missed the GBA in its day. I had one, but I played like two or three games on it. So I know we have a ton of listeners. I see the messages. People are like, "Cover more GBA games," and I'm like, "I will." They're not exactly the easiest things to just get your hands on these days. So like, now I am are. trying. Now they're getting there. Yeah, and every <laughs> one that I play, like I played uh, Castlevania: Aria of Sorrow, and it was awesome. I played Banger. Metroid Fusion phenomenal i played this and i was like this is great and i was like holy balls what a little beast the gba was like gba is one of my favorite is probably my second favorite console of all time next to the switch the game boy advance library is fucking nuts dude they got like they've got a banger for every series they got two great kirby games there's two really good zelda games uh there's an incredible metroid game there's two incredible metroid games actually now that I think about it, the F Zero games on there are fun. Wario Land Four is the best. It's so good. I, the Castlevania games are great. I, I I could go on forever about how much 
the Game Boy Advance has just this incredible library of great games. And you know what's even crazier is that the Mario sports games on GBA are fucking incredible. Yeah, they, they I did play those. Yes, agreed. Uh, they're fucking, Mario they're Mario awesome. Golf. Mario Golf on GBA, that better come to Switch because I want to replay that game so bad. It's so good. And um, Mario Tennis on GBA is actually surprisingly good too. Yeah, it is. It's called Power Tour. Yeah, great great game. It's like an RPG yeah. style game and they did that with golf too. Yeah, the, J- the uh, GBA is like, it's like the, because everyone knows, like I'm a Super Nintendo, like fanboy is not even the term. Like I have a mm-hmm. full-blown like obsession. I'm a Super Nintendo stalker. Like I love that thing. And the GBA is like, they took the Super Nintendo and just pumped it full of steroids and like put it into like a jar and just let it percolate for a couple years and then took it out. And we're like, now you can play these games that look like better Super Nintendo games and you can play them anywhere you want. And it's it just, feel I'm, like, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. It does feel thing. like the GBA is like, the spiritual successor to the Super Nintendo that they would have made had they not wanted to like transition to 3D with the Nintendo yeah. 64. Like oh, God. GBA is just Super Nintendo, but cranked up. It looks a little yeah. better. Yeah, they're they're tight. And this game, so like I'm not gonna give away like my full Zelda rankings because eventually I'm gonna do an episode about that. I need to play a couple more. But like, you know what I was realizing when you and I were talking about it coming into this? Most of my favorite Zelda games are handhelds. Like, I love Link's Awakening. Yep. I love Oracle of Seasons. I love Link Between Worlds. I really like this game. And I was like, four of my top... Like, the only other two games I would put in that conversation are Link to the Past and uh, Wind Waker. Like, that would be probably my top six. And so I'm like, and four of my else? six favorite Zelda games are handheld. And Link to the Past is on Game Boy Advance because of course. it fits. And, and, it's, it's just, and it's also good there. Except yeah, they added, like, like, the voices, which I hated. Sure. And so, like, yeah, going into this one, like, right away, as soon as I fired it up, like, the graphics turned me on a bit. And I was like, all right, like, this appears to be the type of Zelda I like. I'm always going to prefer, same as Mario, Donkey Kong, I'm always going to prefer 2D to 3D. That's just that's just mm-hmm. me as a gamer. And so, as soon as I fired it up, I was like, all right, I got the Link to the Past vibes here. Like, that Link's Awakening vibes, that turns me on. I got to say massive props to capcom like i think nintendo should give the 2d zelda license to capcom and just like nintendo can make the the tears of the kingdoms and the 3d zeldas because capcom made oracle of ages and seasons and i've only played seasons but it was awesome and capcom made this one too and i'm like holy fuck capcom where the fuck have you been like you're you're as good at this as nintendo is and i think i i i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure phantom hourglass and spirit tracks were not capcom and those games i think went in the wrong direction as far as zelda handheld games go um no, I don't, I mean, I that's, that's a conversation games. for another time but uh, sure. they suck but but just yeah shout wrong. out to capcom like they know what they're doing like it's it's quite impressive and totally so that, so then i start playing this game and i love the way it looks like i'm already fascinated by the way it looks and very early on the one thing i heard from people because uh, I was streaming it and I had people coming by the stream and most people were like a fan of it or hadn't played it and were interested in it. I did have some people come by and say their biggest criticism were that at times it's a little cryptic and it's a little hard to figure out where to go. And I had a couple instances like that. I didn't ever find that to really be a problem. I have a couple of minor gripes, but I never really found that to be a huge problem with it. Um, no. By and, by and large, like it does feel like a very puzzle heavy Zelda. Like mm-hmm. I, there's I very very little emphasis on combat but i 
I like that. Like, I prefer, like, like not to compare this to Breath of the Wild, other than the fact that they're both Zelda games. But you know, in Breath of the Wild, there's like all those different shrines you go to. I fucking hate the ones where I just go in and fight enemies, but I love the ones yeah. where I have to solve a puzzle. Like, to me, yeah, the I best agree, Zelda games are puzzles. And this, totally. th- this game has some outstanding puzzles in it. And what I love so much about this game is that, like, it was like modern day pacing. Like it felt like it was pacing itself the way that like Wind Waker or Ocarina of Time or actually I, I actually think this game reminds me a lot of Majora's Mask and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, like it feels like that kind of pacing but with the Link to the Past or Link's Awakening gameplay and the two just fit so perfectly together to make this like very pleasant not incredibly long not incredibly difficult experience but pleasant yeah it was i was actually a little shocked that it wasn't bigger i knew it wouldn't be big because it's you know it's a game boy game right but Mm -hmm. i was i was kind of expecting it to do the tried and true zelda like oh well you got halfway through and now there's a dark world but it doesn't, and I and I and I like that. I, I listen. Everyone listens to the show for any length of time knows. Give me quality over quantity every single time. Absolutely. And uh, I I feel like, frankly, if this game had tried to do the classic Dark World tripe, where I have to go through three or four more dungeons on the dark side of it now, I feel like it might have overstayed its welcome. Like it, I, I it got out before it got totally. scale, You know? Yeah. So, Absolutely. I would like so, to. I think I want to get the bad stuff out of the way because there's not much, and I want to do the happy there's stuff. Just- but there isn't bad stuff, but I will hear you out. There isn't bad stuff, but go on. Okay. So the number one thing about this game that irritates... Okay, so what started to irritate me, and then someone pointed it out, and I was like, oh, thank Christ. So if you've never played this game, uh, it's, it's you, you know, your Link and blah, 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 blah. And you can shrink a lot of the times during the games. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Zelda style. And, like, you can shrink down. And then, like, if anyone's ever played Earthbound, the part where you're in the deep darkness and you're the tiny little sprites walking around on the map, that's what mm-hmm. it turns into. And uh, and by and large, I like that mechanic. But my first complaint was going to be that I had to sit through the fucking shrinking animation every time. And then after like five hours, I realized that I could just mash the button and get out of it. So I was like, all right, then you're getting a you're getting a point back for that then, because I was mad you getting the point back. They make you watch the animation like like the first like seven or eight times, though. And I remember playing through it this time and being like. I don't have to watch the animation every time, do I? And eventually I could skip it. But they okay, do so maybe you watch it the first like few times. Okay, so then I wasn't completely wrong then. Because that, that was just no. irritating. Like, I, I have a gripe with that in every game. I'm like, okay, the first time, cool. He shrinks down and then you run out of this pot and you go have some fun. But I'm like, the eighth time, I'm like, I fucking know. And especially when a game encourages you to shrink and experiment and stuff, I was like, I don't want to watch this fucking animation every time. But I'm not mad mm-hmm. about that because it turns out I could skip it and I, I can let that go. Uh, the, two, the two things about this game that, that and, and neither one of these are major gripes, but the two things about it that irritated me a little bit um, I did get frustrated sometimes when I was trying to experience, like it wants you to experiment by shrinking and stuff. And there was Mm -hmm. the odd time where I got lost and I would go to an area and be like, maybe this is where I have to go. And it's just a very slow process. And I would like, I would shrink slowly get to where I thought I had to go. Realize this isn't where I have to go. Now I have to slowly walk back. And I just, a minor complaint, but there were times where I was like, the the walking around when you're shrunk, if you don't have anything to do and you're trying to figure out where to go, can be very tedious and boring. And I there was the odd time where I was losing my patience and I was like, I don't know where the fuck you want me to go. And I, I think you want me to be small. But then it's like, oh, I can't step over this when I'm small, but I thought I could. I, I can't go here when I'm small, but I thought I could. 
minor thing, and, but it I it just irritated me a bit. And see, I'm so glad, I'm so happy to hear because like I when I played through it this time because I played through it this week on Switch. I, I, when I played through it this time, I was like, I want to go in at, with like as little bias as possible so that I can be and like review it normally. But however, there was a few things that I just can't do that with, like like what you just said, like. I don't know if the game is cryptic or not because I know exactly what to do at all times. I've played it probably a dozen times I've played this yeah. game. And so like everything's just kind of uh reflex to me. Yeah. I'm just it's just reflexes. I'm like, oh, okay, I just finished that. So now I know that I have to go here and I have yeah. to do this. But first I can do this side mission and I can go here. Oh, I can get this item from over there. Now that I have this, I can do this. Like because it's just always been like that, and it's always structured the same way when I play this game now. So I'm curious to know, because my big gripe with it this time was that this game is so fucking easy. It's crazy easy. Yeah, it is. It is. It is like, I mean, like, I'm not going to fault it for that because I, it doesn't like I don't hard games piss me off. So I'm fine with it. But like, it is mm -hmm. certainly top two or three easiest Zeldas I've ever played. It's with with exception easy. like again though like you know like what what so the combat is almost feels secondary to the puzzles and i found the puzzles harder than the combat I think a couple points of where i where i think it does get a little cryptic is this is a minor one that i solved fairly quickly but one of the first parts you have to do is you go to like you have to climb this mountain and mm -hmm. you go in and there's no way to get by and then you go into a, a house and or a cave and there's one of those little plant octopus things that comes out and spits something at you and you knock it back at him and he's like I'll give you a hint a friend of mine is outside in a cave and you need an item from him to get out there and I had already gone to that cave and gotten the bottle and I didn't realize that was where he wanted me to go and then finally oh, no. I'm like I'm looking at it and I'm like where what am I missing like I've gone everywhere and then I never even realized like and it just suddenly clicked that I was like I bet you I can scoop water up with this bottle and go pour it on that plant to make the plant grow and that's just one of those things that like as a kid I might have been stuck on that Cause like, mm -hmm. you know, no one ever tells you to water the a minor thing where I really got stuck was the part where you have to go to the library and Oh yeah. Return the I, library books. And I never like, and I see what I think I have to do, but I finally had to Google it. Cause I was like, what am I missing? Like, am I dumb? And then I realized you have to use the wand that flips things over on the pots. And I never put that together. Once you I know, did that, I beat it. That's but, so funny. You said that because I was watching your stream yeah, and I, I think you were doing this part on stream, and you had kind of gone right past the pot. And you're like, nothing I can do here, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna say anything. No, but I'm like, like, but again, that's one of those things. Without the internet, as a kid, I might have never figured that out. Like, so yeah. it's just to me, those are like to me, that's where the game got hard. Where little things like that, like it's telling you what you like something about what you need to do, but it's expecting you to kind of experiment and fuck around and solve it. And there were just a couple instances where I'm like. Fuck, like, I don't know if I ever, I mean, I, I probably eventually would have just tried everything and figured out that pot thing. But uh, th those were the little things where I, I would listen to someone that was like, yeah, it's just a little bit too, too cryptic for me. I would, I would hear that. I didn't, again, mm -hmm. I don't even think I'm going to take points off for it. I just found it to be a little bit of a nuisance. Um, I love that. I love that quest where you have to return the library books. So yeah. That you can, as a small person, climb up the library books into the. It, onto the top shelf of the bookshelf in the library. I that's that's so unique. That's so totally. clever. It is clever. Once I figured out that I could flip the pots, I the rest of it was awesome. It was just flipping that mm -hmm. fucking pot. Um, <laughs> my biggest complaint, and this is a legitimate complaint that I'm gonna take at least a point off at the end of the game. That fucking system of uh, creating two, three, four links 
is the most obnoxious thing, and I hate it. I don't I even do think agree. it's clever. Using the four sword is the worst part of this game. I I, I do have to agree. Having to oh. create the finish the puzzles where you have to like walk them by stuff without them touching anything. Like I do agree that is the worst part of the game by a lot. Yeah, and like if you've never played it, as you as you go through the game, you get the ability to create two, three, and then four copies of or one, two, and three. So you have two, three, and four different links, and they all move in the same pattern. And you find these like glowing bricks. And what irritates me about it, and we you know what really drove me crazy was on the final boss. That was where maybe the maddest because there you have to, to to make more links you have to go down to the glowing blocks you have to stand on to create a copy of link then you hold out his sword charge it up to it's at full power like you do the spin attack then walk across these little squares to create all the copies of yourself then you can move all the copies of yourself but if one of them gets touched by anything they all disappear and you need to start over and you don't take any damage and i'm fighting this final boss and all you need to do is create three copies of link hit all the little things it's shooting at you back at it to stun it and then go up and attack it but if one of the three links that take about 15 seconds to create get touched you don't even lose any health nothing happens you just have to start from scratch again and i had to do it over and over and i'm not even losing health it's not even hurting me and i'm like this is so fucking obnoxious and it's just and for a way- game that was so well built on puzzles that cloning link thing so su- if the if the sword charge had been half as long it wouldn't have bothered me so much but it was so and tedious i, I think in that particular fight too that that's pretty difficult because um because the attacks that he has are on an angle where you're very unlikely to be able to squeeze four people past the attack. Yeah. And so, like, you typically would get hit. And like you said, it doesn't actually take damage if it hits a clone. It just resets them, and it's annoying. Drove me um, crazy. So I will agree. I yeah. will agree. I don't love the four sword. I think um, I- I've played other games with the four sword mechanic. And four sword adventures, I think, probably does it the best because that's such a like like it's all about like uh how you're uh like presenting yourself like in a square or a line or like an l like you basically can make the tetris blocks in that game and i think it works there but and like i I don't think it works and i do say like there are parts where it does work like there's one dungeon in particular where you have to like you go you have to create two copies of links you have three copies but there's like eight squares to choose from and you have to pick the right shape walk them through these obstacles to get down to all these blocks to stand on them to trigger a door that opens. When it does stuff like that, I think is quite clever. It was just mm-hmm. like th- that final boss left a bad taste in my mouth because you're right. It's half the time he's not even on the screen. So you don't even know when he's going to attack or what angle those shots are coming at you. And it takes you like 10 seconds to create all these copies of Link. And then as soon as you're done creating them, those shots come in and you're like, there's no way to dodge these. One of them hits one of your clones. You lose no health. You just have to start it from scratch. So when it was to, to solve puzzles, by and large, I actually thought it was pretty clever. But when I had to fight with it, it fucking made me insane. Fucking made me insane. I'm now, done. This is that, be an ins- <laughs> this is that, that's be insane my pick. I, uh, there's one thing about this game that I don't love, but I'm really willing to look past it because it's, it's a pretty minor cut. But I don't like that the glowing the glowing tiles that you make the clones on just kind of are places without context. Do you know what I mean? Like I like in Zelda games when stuff is there for a reason, like it'd be like, Oh, it would make sense for that to be there. But the glowing, like nobody ever, like the pots that shrink you in this game, it makes sense that they would exist because the Minish exist, you know? Whereas the glowing tiles on the floor are just kind of there to be like, Hey, it's a Zelda game. Take a look what's 
shiny over here. Yeah, you know? it definitely it doesn't bother me. But this game, like I, I, anyone listening to this that hasn't played it yet, if at any point you find yourself you find yourself stuck in a dungeon, this happened to me a few times. Take a look at like, yeah, are there those glowing bricks? Are there a pot? Because there's a lot of there. I don't think there's a single, especially in the dungeons. So again, if you've never played it. We'll kind of get more into the story when we get to the good because I actually like the story a lot. But there's these like little elf people. Think the underwear gnomes from South Park. They're like these little tiny people that only kids can see and Link is a kid so he can see them. And you can shrink down and become one of them. And there's a lot of puzzles based around becoming tiny and then doing something as a tiny Link and then going back to being big Link. And, and it's very clever. But if you ever find yourself stuck and there's, say, a shrinking pot laying around, and you're like, I don't know why that shrinking pot is here. I don't think there's a single shrinking pot in a dungeon that's there without a cause. There's mm -hmm. something to, like, and, and I actually thought, like, I don't want to say necessarily clever because I think it was just their only choice. They're like, well, if that's the puzzle, we have to put a pot there. But it, it like, there were numerous instances where I found myself stuck, and all I had to do was stop and be like, okay, there's glowing tiles here. I have to do something with multiple links. Or there's a pot here something has to be done with him shrunk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. and uh, it, it's uh, to me, again, it's such a puzzle, puzzle heavy Zelda game. And I think it's expecting you to look around at the, uh, the um, environment and be like, okay, I have this and this, they wouldn't have put these here for no reason. There's a reason they're here. And, but well, I do like, agree. Yeah. That yeah. the, the, the teleporting or the, 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 the cloning tiles do seem just kind of oddly out of place. I did. I heard somebody talk about like, um, I think it was on YouTube. They were talking about Link to the Past. And I think that it like kind of applies here as well, where it's like, you're not actually in this game, which I love. And I, I like, it's one of my favorite games of all time, but like, you're not really on an adventure. You're on a tour. The game is holding your hand and showing you what to go and look at and what to see. Sure. It's not really an adventure. You're not really figuring it out. The game's kind of pushing you towards it and then being like, get it. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get it. I do. get Yeah. It. Oh, yeah, no, agreed, 100%. Um, like, there's one part where uh, you have to go find, I think it's the rings that'll make you as strong as Grown Link when you're little. Oh, yeah. And there's, like, this the awesome puzzle. Is. Yeah, there's, like, this awesome puzzle where the guys, like, sneak across the raging rapids, get by the tepid beast or something like that. And all it is is you, you get tiny, walk across the creek, and get by a cat. But like the way he says it makes it sound like this. And I thought that was really funny, like this epic adventure. And it's telling you what you have to do. But like, so at first you're thinking like, oh, okay, so I need to like go like water rafting and fight an and a monster. But then you realize like, oh no, I'm shrunk. So to them, just walking across this creek is a, is walking across the wild rapid. I, I really liked that. Um, oh, minor thing. And then I'm done. And then I want to just go to good stuff. Uh, I I don't understand the appeal of the Kinstones. I don't get oh, this. Oh boy. Why do you like these things? All you do is like, I get the system and I think it's cool. If you've never played it, there's these like rocks you find, these, these like badges and you find all these halves and then you can find people throughout the game that have another half. And if you match them up, something appears somewhere in the world, like a treasure chest or a cave or whatever. Some of them were great because they were like little side missions and stuff. But dude, I did like three or four where I gave someone a kinstone. We made a, a matching kinstone to make a treasure chest. Then I go to the treasure chest and it's just another fucking kinstone. And I was like, fuck okay, you. So I'm sick of like... No, fuck you. Go ahead. So Why I'm, do you like I'm it? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So the Kinstone system is my favorite system in any Zelda game. I Whoa. love it so much. More than the more than the trading game in Link's Awakening? Way more. Why? Way You're more. crazy. Yeah. All right. No, no why? No, I, I swear. Because, 
because the way this game functions, it forces you with like, if you want to do the Kinstone stuff and like all the side quests, it forces you to interact with every character in the game and they all have names and they all have personalities and when you use the kinstones you then will do side quests that are like typically related to that person and like majora's mask there is a phenomenal cast of characters in this game and they are they're all fucking weird i love it so much because like you'll do like i love like the 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 quest line where you're trying where you're uh tingle and all of his brothers you need to fuse kinstones with them to get like the the gore or no the the magic boomerang and then there's like uh the one where you got to get the gorons through the mines by kin by fusing kinstones like yeah it just yeah. few for me it fuels the game and every second every time i i see a person i'm like are they thinking can i fuse kinstones with them see i, I like i've yeah. done yeah. no sorry i've I, done I, full runs i've done full runs where i have done every last kinstone fusion uh, in the game i like them. I liked the Kinstones when it was stuff like that Goron one and stuff. That's cool. When I, I match it up and then they it creates another Goron and they're trying to dig through this wall. And I was like, that was neat. Or like when it creates a cave and I can go into the cave and find some treasure. I was down with that. But like after the third time where I did it and then just hiked across the map because I didn't have... they Dude, they should... Fast travel comes very late in this game. Minor thing, but fast travel comes very late. Yeah, yeah, it's, but, about, it's about 50%. However, I'll be honest, I think the ocarina is one of the most useless items in this game because map, so small. It just is small. walk everywhere. Well, but like when you're trying to do these fucking kinstones and I'm like, oh, okay, just created a treasure chest over there. I'm going to fly over there and get this treasure chest. Oh, it's another that, fucking kinstone. The third time that happened yeah. to me, the third time I got a kinstone treasure that was another kinstone, I rage quit the kinstone system. I was like, nope. Pound sand, give me something. Give me rupees I don't but need. The, Fuck the you. The thing is, is that the Kinstone system exists on like a tiered level. Oh. Um, so like you have the green Kinstones, you have the blue Kinstones, and you have the red Kinstones, and your reward, like or like the like the value of the reward depends on what color Kinstone you're fusing. So if you're using a red Kinstone, you're probably going to get something pretty good. But if you're using a blue Kinstone, you might get a red Kinstone because it would get you something better than a blue Kinstone. Yeah, and but then I need... Using a but then I have to go find who has the other half of the red one. And I just, I don't know. I just, like, I like this game, but I was like, no, this, this can, like, give me the Link's Awakening trade-up quest over this all. I fucking hate, I... I guess we're just going to have to just, I fucking hated the Kinstone system. It drove me up the goddamn wall. I, I, I just, and you know what? Like, it really is a defining, like a defining feature of the game. So if you don't like it, it does put like quite a bit of malice onto it, I think, for oh. personal opinion. But I love it. Oh, at least, at least, it, but that was optional. Like that made it, I mean, most of it. Like there's a couple, like you need to find some of the gold ones and stuff, but that's fine. But that it was optional made it a lot better. Like if I had to do all that, I would have, I might have rage quit. But that it was Ooh, mostly that, side that's stuff. That's actually, nice. that's actually the one part of the game I actually don't like is that um I I wanted to bring this up because I remember playing through it this time and being like, oh I can't wait to dunk on this part. It's the part when you're going up to the sky city and you have to like you you're like in the clouds and you have to fuse kinstones with those cloud bricks, but it's all in a circle and it's like fucking confusing and you have to fly around hate that part absolutely hate it 
you know what? Maybe not a popular opinion, but I actually okay. I know we're I know we're twenty seven minutes in, and I'm like we're gonna get to the good stuff, but we are gonna get to the good stuff. Um, <laughs> I I really liked the Air Temple. I I got kind of lost and found it a little bit disorienting because I stopped halfway through for the night and then came back and couldn't figure where to go. But that part before the Air Temple, where you have to go around and find those five gold kinstones, that's the single worst part of the game. I'll agree. That I agree. part fucking sucks. Hundred percent. That sucks. I, but I. Are you like, are we done? I have nothing else to complain about. Do you have anything else you want to complain about before we get to the good stuff? Cause I do want to talk Absolutely. about good stuff. Absolutely not. Let's talk okay. about the good stuff. And we're going to get to the good stuff in just a minute. I made you suffer through all the pooping. Now you're going to listen to one of my sponsors and then we're going to talk about something good. I promise. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone. Like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That can be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac, and every 15 minutes on the clock, they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If if you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses and offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. All right. Took us half an hour, but we're to the happy stuff. We're to the good. Uh... I, I just I know we've already talked about it, but I just quickly want to touch on it one more time. Uh, I I really do the graphic system as a whole in this game is great and it's so bright and colorful and it, like it looked great Beautiful. playing it docked on a monitor and everything. But you know what I actually think the nicest looking part of the game is is when you shrink and then you deal with places while you're shrunk. Whether it's walking through like um like a little path in the woods and there's like acorns laying around that are huge big leaves. Or, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Or particularly the parts where you're up in like the rafters of buildings and there's like oh, dust yeah, yeah. And, and, there's, and they sit up there and, and things. Like nice I stuff up there, yeah. I, I loved it. I just thought it, it, it was like playing a fairy tale almost. Like I just thought it was gorgeous. I, it, I agree. This game, this game in, in one word is just this game is adorable. It's so yeah. adorable. Like I've always considered Wind Waker to be my favorite looking Zelda of all time. And I and I think I still feel this way, but this is like 2D Wind Waker. Like, yeah, I agree. Like, and a I just of, yeah, 
loved it. There's a lot of like uh, inspiration from Wind Waker. Like they were pulling over characters from that from that game as well. Um, like clearly, clearly, Wind Waker was an inspiration. Even like looking at the art during the final credits, it's all cell shaded. Uh, yeah wind waker style graphics it's actually funny because like they they take like it it definitely has some wind waker inspiration there's obviously some link to the past influence on it because yeah. it looks very linked to the past but then i also loved the amount of like little nods to like ocarina of tim like some of the sound effects like the Hah! like that noise that he makes and like those octopuses like dirt things that come up and spit shit at you and reflect them back and then they're like okay i'm sorry you caught me i'll talk to you like and I was just yeah. like, man, this is such a fan service game because there's nods to like three or four previous Zeldas in this game. And, it, I and like, awesome. I, I genuinely feel like because the game is all surrounded around Castletown that like it really does feel a lot like Majora's Mask as well because it, there's this one town in the middle of the map and you go out to the three, di- the four different sides of the map all while like doing side quests for people and like, and like engaging with the characters. That is what I really love about this game. You super engage with the characters all the time. Yeah. You're always engaging with characters. And this small map helps because it's not over. Like there's not, I don't feel like there's a lot of filler in this game. Like in some, totally. And not just Zelda, but in some video games, like they need to like, they're like, oh, it's not big enough. We need to make it bigger. And you, and it feels like they've just kind of stretched a little bit, like outside of that part where you have to look for the five golden, um, kinstones in the sky. There wasn't a single part of this game where I was like, I like what I, I love link to the past, but I fucking hate the swamp in the dark world. I hate it. I mm-hmm. hate that fucking part. There, I don't think there was a part in this game other than that sky part where I, I hated it. Like nothing felt like just busy work, you know, other than I, I agree. Like everything, like all the stuff that you do to get to the temples is like quick, but like fun and unique. Like yeah. when you have to go through the swamp and when, when, except for the cloud one, we all, we've already admitted that sucks. Or like when you have to go to the graveyard to like meet the ghost of the king and, and fuse kinstones with him. Yeah. I love that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. You know I what have- I, you know what? Yeah. No, no, go ahead, by all means. You know what is one of my favorite parts of this game? The dojo system where you get the tiger scrolls. Yeah. That yeah. that is the best, where you get to learn new sword moves. And then once you learn all the sword moves from the first guy, there's three other brothers that you can find. Or no, two brothers. And then, like, I think his father, who's, like, a ghost and dead. And, like, once you get all of them, you can go to the father. And you get all these cool sword moves. And, frankly, they're not that useful but i like to have them anyways no it's funny because some of the sword moves like at first i was like oh wow that i'm a little surprised that like when you have full health and swing your sword you don't shoot a beam and i was like you can't hold b and then do the spin attack and you can't do the dash with the pegasus boots with your sword out i was like that's like i'm not complaining but i'm like that's odd and then slowly i start learning all these abilities and i was like oh okay and then you're right like i'm not even gonna use the only one that i really used was the shooting the laser out of your sword when your health is full but it was just something yeah. fun to like go around looking for. And then I love this stupid idea. Like that. What is it? They say something like, we're going to just take over your mind and make you do the move. So you can see what it looks like. And just the way they explained that just sounded so stupid to me that I loved it. Like they're not like, we're just going to show it to you. They're like, I'm going to now take over your body and make you do this special move so that you can see what it looks like. Now you try it. And I yeah, was like, and- Oh, okay. <laughs> sure, why the fuck not? All right. And I and I loved it every time I engaged with that character and he would go pause that Sean. Like yeah. it's just 
so silly and and dumb. I I just love it so much. What a great what a great way to teach new sword moves because I think like I think because this game came out in 2005. I think this game was kind of um kind of like us we're sorry for uh uh pushing back Twilight Princess so much. Please enjoy this Zelda game that's really quick and easy. Um and it feels like it also takes inspiration from Twilight Princess because Twilight Princess had that mechanic as well where you would learn the new sword moves from like the Ocarina of Time Link as a ghost. And like this kind of feels a little adjacent to that. Yeah, I liked it. And on the note of like stuff you can do, um, I, it, so at first, like when I realized that I wasn't going to get a hook shot, I was like, what? Like you can't. You that can't is play a bummer, Zelda. I will admit. Like you, you can't play Zelda without a hook shot. But it kind of made up for it because, like, there's some really like the the digging gloves in this game. Uh, I fucking love those things. Like, I went to the town with those fucking weird. things. The items are weird, but I, I, super weird. I like them in this because there's some items that like I've never seen in a Zelda game, like those digging gloves. Or I love the idea that you can get like you get these these bracelets, and then when you're tiny Link. He can still interact with stuff like he's full size link, which added another layer to the puzzles and stuff. By far, my favorite item in this game by a country mile (laughs) is fucking. Oh, you got the wand whose magic ability is to flip things over. (laughs) And I was like, that's like one of the first items you get in the game is this. And it's like this, like you find a mystical wand and you're like, oh, I wonder if that like shoots fire or maybe it like makes things grow and shrink. And they're like, nope. It flips things over. And I was like, what a stupid <laughs> fucking wand. But it works. It's just, I love that. I love that that's so a power useful. Up. Yeah, it is. It's so, yeah. It's just I the mean, idea just, that fucking, like, it's not like they couldn't just give you, like, a power glove that you could now use to flip things. They're like, nope, you have this magic wand. And now you can flip stuff. No more, no more overcooked on one side undercooked on the other side pancakes for you you have the wand that can flip things now you're golden what a great fucking item <laughs> fucking yeah. so stupid oh. so and you know what i love the gust jar i'm a big gust jar fan yeah it was i like the i mean at first i i was like what the fuck is this thing but then you start to realize like it's pretty and it expects you to like experiment with these items to get around like there's some really clever items in this game they made them very like they interact with the environment very very well Totally. Um, like you can use the gust jar to get like co- cobwebs out of people's houses and stuff. And you're like, yeah. Oh, that's weird. I wouldn't have thought to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I like some of the custom items. I got to say too, like I didn't think any of the bosses in this game blew my socks off, but I don't think there's a single bad boss aside from the final boss. And that's only cause you have to do that fucking turn yourself into four links, which irritates I, me. I actually, I, I, I agree on, for the most part because do what do we want to do do we want to go through the dungeons one by one and just talk about like real quick the dungeons yeah i mean mean, by all means like i'll be honest with you like the only dungeon that stands out to me is the sky one like six dungeons in this game yeah like that's Um, that's the only one that jumps off the page of me but what it like wow by all means i'll talk bosses for, for sure but like what like what is what's on your mind with the dungeons I, I like I re- so there's the forest one and that's the first one that you do and I really like that one because you you're tiny in that one so um like all of the puzzles are like things like like I love the barrel that you have to like move that has like the holes in specific spots so you can get oh, out, yeah. you can get yeah. out of the barrel yeah. I really really like that mechanic 
there's one thing I don't love about the first temple, and that is, like, this might be the only boss in the game I think sucks. Because this boss is just like, uh, is you walk into the boss room and they're like, well, you just got a gust jar. What do you think you should do? And you're like, obviously I'm going to use the gust jar. And, and it just, it just like decimates him to use the gust jar. I think that boss is a little lazy, but I like that. It's like a normal item or a normal enemy that you would normally face when you're big link, but you're little and he's still just normal size. Yeah. I do love that. I think that's, that's a smart way to play these bosses because they did that twice in this game. They did that also with the ice temple with yeah. a really cool boss where you're using a lantern to like dethaw an Octorok and then you have to, he has like a flower on him. That one's really cool. That's um, my favorite. That's my favorite boss in the game is that one where you have I, to light the, light the flower on the back of, on fire. I love that boss. That was awesome. I have one. I have one boss. I think that's probably a second best boss. Although I really like the Vadi boss fight too. I know it's not your favorite, but like I actually really do like the fight with Vadi at the end. But uh, then there's the second one, and I'm trying to. Oh, you know what? The second one is like the dragon that has like the shell that you have to flip. That one I actually really like too. There ain't a bad one among the bunch. I think you're no, right. I don't think they're bad. They're a little bit like I think they're very pretty to look at. I think they're all kind of primitive. Mm -hmm. Minus maybe the They're, sky boss where you're jumping over, you know, on and off shit. But it's also, it is, you know, we've sucked the Game Boy Advance's dick for 40 minutes now. Like, it is a Game Boy <laughs> Advance. Like, there is a finite amount you can do with a Game Boy Advance. Um, totally, totally. So I think, they, I think they all look great. And I don't think there's a bad one. They're just, like, kind of... I also think that, like, all basic. of the dungeons, all of the dungeons in this game make sense and are unique. Like I like like the second one is like a mine, which has been done before, I think, in Link's Awakening. But you know, they they kind of played it this a similar way, but with some added mechanics. Yeah. The third one, I, the third one is one of my favorites because that's the one where there's like all these walls, and you're like, how the fuck am I supposed to get around here? And then you get those mole mitts, and then you're just like cr crashing through walls with your mole mitts. I I love. And then I so those mitts are so good. I love those things. What's the boss in that one again? Oh, you know what? That one is also cool. It's like that, um, like sort of like that ancient, ancient Mesopotamian looking guy with the the hands, and you have to shoot his hands with the bow and arrow. Oh yeah, and dude! You have to shrink down. Yeah, that one's good. That was that real is, good, actually. That, yeah, if you've never played it, I guess spoilers. We've already spoiled all kinds of stuff. But yeah, yeah you like fight. You fight this fucking thing with like yeah, he's got these two hands, and what you need to do is like shoot the hands, and then the hands will like freeze into like a tower. And then you can see a little ladder up the side of the hand. So once you hit it, then you have to run over to like one of those these shrines, shrink into Tiny Link, climb up the ladder into the hand, and then fight bad guys inside the hand to kill it. And uh, that that one, I, right. I agree, that one is pretty. That one is pretty. I was good. gonna say a different one's my favorite, but now that I think about it, I think that might be my favorite boss in the game. So then, what uh, one were you gonna? What was your other one? I really, I you know, and I think this just comes in in general from the fact that I think the like the wind temple is the best temple in the game by quite a lot but the boss fight where you're like on the flying stingrays and stuff yeah. hitting their eyes that's what an incredible boss fight dude yeah that that is an instance where using like the four sword tack like using the four sword actually does feel innovative and fun yeah, if yeah, if you never fought it, you've, you're fighting these like giant stingrays up in the sky and you're like jumping on and off them as you're killing them and trying it's it 
I thought that was one of the coolest boss fights in the game as well. Like my favorite was the the big frozen guy that you have to light the fl- the flower on fire. But number two is probably that sky fight. I think that's pretty boss. Yeah, totally. It's so. it's super wicked. And then um, the only temple I don't super love is the last one, the Dark Hyrule Castle Temple, because super short, really short. It took me like fifteen minutes to to plow through that dungeon and i was like oh that just feels like especially because it's the last one it just felt a little anticlimactic still looks great still fun to play just a little quick for my taste it was quick but i i get i went through that whole castle thinking like it's gonna send me to like a dark world now like i've played enough zelda i know that usually there's a dark world and that's what i was waiting yeah. for and then it was like <laughs> oh no i guess that was just it all right fucking fair yeah. enough um, sometimes we don't have to go we don't have to go to the insane lengths that we usually do <laughs> yeah but no i and, and and you know what the thing is is like when you look at link to the past like that has the dark world and like it's so obvious that like that dark world is there to basically double the size of the game without having to double the size of the game you know what i totally. mean like it's and and, and with think, this one i think this game what? they don't have to do that because because the world is different whether or not you're big or small. So you experience the world differently either way. That's where I was going to go is I feel like they managed to pack a bigger world into the smaller world by just making you so tiny that like the world plays differently. And you know what I found incredibly satisfying about this game? And I actually tweeted about it. It's not just this game. It's basically every Zelda Metroidvania, any game like this I've played. I love when you're in the end game and you have most of the abilities and those puzzles that have been fucking you around all game and like those fucking caves where there's like the the blocked door and I tried like dashing into them. I tried blowing them up. I've tried. I'm like, how the fuck do I get through these? And then finally I got the the carving, the, 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 the digging hands. And I was like, oh my God, like I, that is my favorite part in any of these games is just being able to do one final clean sweep. And you're, it's like God mode where you're like, I can get into anywhere I fucking want to now. And it just feels so satisfying. And I just, I, and I, I don't, I think that's why I enjoy Metroidvania style games so much is that ending part where I have all the abilities. I have the double jumps or what have you, and I can swim and there's no areas that are too dangerous for me. And I can just take my time and peruse and go back and get all the stuff I wanted to get, but couldn't figure out how to get. I, I, that to me, that's like the secret sauce of these games is that feeling at the end. And it just, that's what keeps me coming back. And, and then, um, and then, like, I don't know about you, but like, after I did the last dungeon before going and uh, and going to the final, the final castle, I went and I just looked at everything just to like be like, make sure I'm not missing anything too important here. Right. You know, there were a couple of side quests I didn't do on this run because I've done them so many times. I was like, I don't find those that useful, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. But like. I just made sure to just do a once over of absolutely everything. And then, and I think that if you build a game that incentivizes people to want to do a once over of the entire overworld before finishing it, you've done something right there. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed going back through and and just exploring it as well before I wrapped it up. I got to ask you too, like, what did you think of, of, of Vaddy? Like, if you've never played this, the enemy isn't Ganon. The enemy is this other creature, Vaddy. And I I gotta say, like, much like like Link's Awakening is one of my favorite Zeldas ever, and Ganon's nowhere to be found in that game. And uh I I actually liked that it wasn't Ganon. I liked that it was yeah, a different enemy. I thought like Vaddy Vaddy is no Ganon, but he's not the worst enemy I've ever seen. 
Um, I like the Vaddy kind of kind of looms throughout this game. Like he's he, you know that he's he's out there. He's kind of on the run, but you never really know where. And then he like then he he possesses the king, which by the way, I don't know if I needed like there's like a part in this game where Ezlo just stops and it's like I've just felt something really weird and then it cuts yeah. to a cutscene that's going on at the castle and you're like how how did you feel that Ezlo I'm going to need yeah. to know what the hell that means I also love the idea that the whole reason that this fucking vaddy person turned evil was because Ezlo created a magical hat that grants wishes and just left it laying around and <laughs> yeah. vaddy picked it up like that I might love have been that Ezlo, to be honest. Like agreed, but I just love the idea that like I get like and these aren't even disses. I love this. I love that there's a magic wand whose ability is to flip things over, and I love that like the whole linchpin of this game is that we invented this hat that that grants wishes and just left it laying around instead of like taking care of it. And then you've created this. And I, 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 they're not even this is not criticisms. I just love how basically kind of. I don't know if cheesy is the word, but it kind of feels like they were sitting around in the writer's room and then they were like, you know what? That's good enough. It's a hat that Grant wishes. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I I like they're like, they're like, and Link has to have a kind of annoying uh, companion. What are we going to do? And they're like, put a bird on his hat. And they're like, perfect. A bird bird on the hat. When I first picked up that hat, I was like, oh, fuck me. Is this the owl or the navvy of this fucking game? But that hat is not nearly as obnoxious as the owl I or agree. navvy. Not even close. <laughs> I like that you say the fun. owl or navvy, and, and you don't even mention Fee, who is the most annoying uh, of all time. Which one's Fee? From, uh, she's, from, she's like the sword in Skyward Sword that's always like, your wee batteries have depleted. You're going oh. to have to change your batteries soon. I've I've never played Skyward Sword. I don't it's I don't lost, I don't but... <laughs> I don't I don't care for the Nintendo Wii. So I I've just uh, never and played you, but that's that's a good opinion to have except for the Galaxy games. Those games Oh, shrink. the Galaxy games are are, t- are the tits. But yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I fucking yeah, that stupid hat just didn't I don't know. I uh, when I fired we should start wrapping this up too. But like when I fired this game up, like I was like, "All right, I'm impressed with the way it looks. I I really do think the puzzles are very clever." Uh, I thought the hat was going to be annoying and it wasn't like I don't outside of that making multiple copies of yourself and then the kinstones, which I could take or leave. But like I I was I was like I was thoroughly impressed. I, I was like, this is like the thing about like Link's like Link's Awakening will always be one of my favorite Zeldas. And some people kind of come down on it because it's kind of short and it's kind of basic and it's a Game Boy game and stuff like that. But I think it's fine. And Oracle of Seasons, I thought was fine. And this one I thought was fine. I'm like, dude, Zelda or like, like I'll go as far as to, I mean, I guess we'll never have to, the handheld and the console, like the the home console for Nintendo is probably never going to be two separate systems again. Like whatever the sequel to the Switch is, is almost certainly going to be a hybrid console. I don't think they can get away from that model now. But absolutely. If they ever were to, I'd be like, dude, keep the 2D Zeldas on the handhelds and do these and then make the big epic 3D Zeldas, you know, on whatever's going to be on TV. Like Zelda, like the the Zelda games play so well in these little bite-sized chunks on, on handheld consoles. Like this is, this game stacks up against some of the best Zeldas I've ever played. Like it's so clever and it's, it's different, but the same and it's not boring. And I, I like that it's got a story that isn't just Ganon in the Master Sword and the Triforce and... Um, so I want I want to ask you a question because 
we had the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games all dump on Switch. Yeah. So my question is, is with the Game Boy one having Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX, will you ever play that knowing full well that the way better Link's Awakening remake is also on Switch? I mean, I, I might at some point just for nostalgia. Like, like, yeah, if I want to play Link's Awakening, the remake is the way to play it. But I, yeah. I have so much nostalgia for the old school DX Link's Awakening, like so much that like yeah, the, I, day will, I, the day will probably come where I'll go back to it just for nostalgia's sake. I just, I just think, and I genuinely do believe this, that that Link's Awakening remake on Switch, it's the best remake ever of all time. It's so fucking good. Such an excellent way to present that game. It's my favorite. I love Like that took that game from a check minus to a check plus for me. Uh, it's, I, I see my favorite remake ever is probably Resident Evil 2. But oh, I haven't played that remake, but I have oh, heard it's pretty fucking good. It yeah. is, it is fucking special. But I and am then, a big, I am a big fan of Link's Awakening remake too. Yeah. Did they skip over Resident Evil three or, and just go straight to four, or did nobody give a shit that they remade? No, three? they they remade it, but I I haven't played it. My understanding is people didn't like it as much. I don't I I don't really care. Like the reason we haven't covered Resident Evil three on Remember the Game is because I don't. It's one of my least favorite Resident Evils. I don't care for Resident Evil three. Um, Nemesis is cool, but I don't think the game is that good. So I've never had that much interest in playing the remake. But they did they did remake it. It just wasn't as critically acclaimed as Resident Evil 2 was. So. But I just like I love like the toy box atmosphere and feel that they gave Link's Awakening where you're just like your toys, everything yeah. is a toy, and you're just like running around. Like it feels like you're on one of those car carpet cities. Like I love it, dude. Yeah, I do too. Dude, the Switch is be if you're a Zelda fan, like the Switch is the Switch is the it's place to be. Because you've got it's you've got Zelda. Job. You have Zelda 2, you have Link to the Past, you have Ocarina of Tim, you've got Majora's Mask, you've got Link's Awakening, you've got Minish Cap, Oracle of Ages and Seasons are both coming. You have the remake of Link's Awakening, you have Skyward Sword HD. I would be shocked if at some point that Wind Waker HD doesn't end up on the Switch before it's all said and done, just because they could sell a few more copies of it. And maybe Twilight Princess. And is that not basically, I know it's not all the Zeldas, but that's a lot of fucking Zelda on the Switch. I think they're going to, I think I think that's it. You know what? You know what I think they should do just because I think it would be funny and I know they'll never do it is they should release a compilation that has the 3 CDI Zelda games oh in it. Like just just to play. So I played I played one of these. I'm going to go on a tangent for a, a quick second here. But I played through one of these this week because I I've, I've just always been so curious. I played through Wand of Gamelon yeah maybe the worst game i've ever played but it's not as bad as people make it seem to be it's also not hard the way people make it seem to be in fact it was very easy in my opinion i've always wanted to play those like if they were to release those like i don't think i'd pay more than 20 bucks for them but if they released them in a package for like 20 bucks i would probably buy them just out of morbid curiosity just to see yeah like i've always wondered you know it's interesting to see it sucks but like it's interesting to play i didn't have a bad time this is what you passed up playstation for was it and like this is what (laughs) you created your biggest competition for anyway god damn um all Uh, right well we should we should score this thing we should fucking figure out a way to score this um oh Um, also sorry one last quick thing love i and this is just video games 101 this is not this game's fault this is what video games do i love that they're like oh man this door only opens once every hundred years maybe it's open right now and it was and like they never even went (laughs) like 
there wasn't even like, wow, that was a great coincidence. Like, I think it would have been hilarious if they were like, that's a crazy coincidence. But they were just like, no, it only opens once every hundred years. And you just like, do you have any idea what the odds are that you would pick the right day in a hundred years? To, like, I just, <laughs> I, I love that they just blow it aside. Just like the wand that flips shit over. I, what a fucking stupid game. I love it. I love this dumb game. Absolutely, absolutely. Bananas game shouldn't exist. Thrilled that it does. I so just looked good. it up. There are 100 Kinstone fusions in Legend of Zelda Minish Cap. Perfect. Okay. Well, then that's, I was going to go a hundred because it opens once every hundred years. So we have two different oh. hundreds. So that's perfect. So perfect. All right, then the I always give the guest first dibs uh, out of a hundred. What do you? What score are you slapping on the Legend of Zelda: The Minish Cap? It's losing a couple of points solely on the fact that there's that section where you're in the sky and you have to be flying around with the hat, and I hate that. Yeah, um, so. but the game itself overall is one of my favorites of all time. I think it's incredibly appealing. What I love so much about this game is that it's never unpleasant to play. And I think every game has like a moment or two of unpleasantness, but this game is never unpleasant to play. Uh, sure. I'm going to give it a 97 out of a hundred Kinstone fusions. It's a good score. Fuck. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a 90 out of a hundred years. Where the fucking door might be open. I will, I will, I'll give it a one on the Kinstones. I fucking hate those things. But no, it's, it's like, listen, like a lot of people have been messaging me saying like, I never played this. Is it worth playing? Um, if, if you're a fan of Link to the Past or those old 2D Zeldas, it's, it's a no brainer. Yes. If you've never played Zelda, uh, it's, it's definitely worth playing. I don't know if I, I, I'm anytime someone asks me, like, I've never played a Zelda. Where should I start? I'm always going to recommend Link to the Past because that's where I started. And I'm always going to say it's my favorite Zelda. But it's definitely worth playing. If you've got Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass and you've got the new Game Boy Advance games, it's a no-brainer. Give it a shot. I beat it in about 12 hours, I think. 12 or 13 hours. And, yeah, it's uh, pretty small. And I didn't do everything. Like, I didn't get all the Kinstones and stuff. Uh, but I, I I, just... It's very charming. If you like puzzles... Like, or I should say more importantly, if you don't like puzzles, maybe this isn't the game for you. But if you like puzzles, it's a great little puzzle game. I, I really enjoyed it. Charming as fuck. And like I say, eventually we're going to do... So the only Zeldas I have left to play before I feel confident in doing a ranking is I never finished Twilight Princess. I never played Skyward Sword. Um, and I feel like those are the, oh. maybe four Sword Adventure or maybe the only ones I still have to play to, to do a competent ranking. But like... You never... Oh, you've never beat Twilight Princess? No, because I had it for the Wii and I just couldn't stand playing it on my Wii. I got about halfway through and I was like, I hate it. I fucking hate this. What I will tell you about Twilight Princess is that while Twilight Princess isn't my favorite Zelda game, I, I, I think it is a very, very good, but it's not my favorite. It has the best final boss in the entire series. It's... The All final right. boss is awesome. So Better than this one? I'm kidding because I hate this one. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I have yeah. it sitting here for the GameCube. My buddy Daniel lent it to me. I just... I need to find time to play it. But... So not giving it's away everything, long. but like if I was going to do a ranking, like, yeah, like I was saying to you when we were talking about like, this is, this is either just at the bottom of my top five or like the best game outside of my top five. Like it's a, it's a top six Zelda game for me. I, I really enjoyed I, it. And I highly recommend I think it. I, I think I'd put it like at like right in my five, like at the five spot. I think I really yeah. love this game. Yeah. It's a great little game. And just another example of how fuck I'm like, people have been asking me like, what GBA games do you hope they add? And I'm like, dude, as someone that hardly played any GBA, I want all of them. Fucking give me all of them. <laughs> I don't even care. I want every GBA game you can come up with. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that they didn't ship with Wario land Four. like, that's such a popular GBA game and it's extremely good. 
Oh, I'm sure we'll get it. I, I mean, they said like so many more are coming, right? And I think, sorry, everybody. I, I mean, we're going to end the show soon, but I just, I think the switch is, it's not think. Everyone knows the switch is on the home stretch here. Like it has to be. And I think that Nintendo probably has a lot of their internal studios working on stuff for whatever their next console is. And I think GBA games are a great way to kind of extend the, the lifespan of the switch a little bit. Like they can roll out one or two every couple months. And I know people want more of them up front. I, I hear you, but we all know Nintendo's not going to do that. And like they can, so like, you know, maybe next month they're like, here's Metroid Fusion. And then they're like, here's Golden Sun. Here's Fire Emblem. Here's Wario Ooh, I've Land. Never, I've never played Golden Sun. Me I'd neither. Like to. Yeah, I, I get yelled at about it all the time. Um, it looks cool. Yeah, it does. But that's what I mean. Like they can, like GBA games aren't NES games. Like these are, these are beefy games. So I think. I think they're going to roll quite a few a bit out more. Yeah. yeah, which I'm all for. Give me them. I, I've become so smitten with this fucking console. Like, I'm I'm just in, like this, Metroid Fusion, and uh, Aria of Sorrow. Just those three games alone. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm on board. GBA's tight. Let's, like, let me play GBA, more. These GBA is worth it. Yeah, worth, worth, the, worth the asking price for sure. Absolutely. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, Dude, what, what a banger. What a yeah. banger. What a good game. Thank you for, like, I swear to God, you guys don't even know. Bradley has been bothering me for <laughs> over three years to play this. And, a uh, ton of time, dude. And we finally did it. And I'm glad I did. So, Bradley, thank you for your persistence and getting me to play this game. And honorable mention to Nintendo for finally putting these games on somewhere where I can play them. But mostly Absolutely. thank you to you. Thanks for doing this, buddy. We actually were planning to do this podcast before they released Minish Cap. I swear on- to God. Yeah, uh, yeah, on on the switch. Like this isn't us just trying to capitalize. Like this is just we one more did plan it. This is one more example of I telling you I will things into existence on this fucking show. I've done it so it's many very times. Very serendipitous. It's fucked up. I I don't know what that word means, but yes, it is very serendipitous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> buddy, thanks for doing this, man. That was fun. Of course, absolutely. Always, my dude. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Bradley, thank you so much for giving me a shout and talking to Legend of Zelda Minish Cap. The Minish Cap, pardon me. And every single one of you nerds listening to this right now, whether this was your first Remember the Game or maybe your 237th, thank you so much for the support. I very much appreciate it. If you uh, if you didn't hate this, leave us a good review, would you? I love seeing the nice reviews. They make me feel good about myself while I'm eating ice cream in my underwear late at night. Uh, plus, I, I the good podcast ask for them, so we don't have a choice. We have to. And if you want more of these, oh, I got you, fam. Hit up patreon.com slash remember the game. And I know I there's been shows I listen to where I'm like, I should sign up for Patreon, and I just can't be bothered. I understand. But I'm telling you, the value over there is fucking ridiculous. For two bucks a month, you get two additional ad-free podcasts every week, plus instant access to like 300-some previous bonus podcast just waiting there you can download them onto your phone whatever you want it's awesome plus all the other perks for five bucks a month you get three additional shows every week you also get the rambling idiot where i tell stories about my life comedy my opinions on other things i don't really talk a lot of video games i just did one where i ranked all the mcu movies it's been a lot of fun and beginning march 6th our five dollar and up patrons will get purple monkey dishwasher every second monday which is a simpsons podcast by me and mark McHugh that launches on march 6th so i'm really excited about that five percent of our patrons gets donated to charity and we offer annual subscriptions and you get the 12th month for free patreon.com slash remember the game we have a p.o box you can find the address at remember the game podcast.com just send me a letter 
postcard, something little. Let me know where you're listening. I write back. We're friends. It's cool. And I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash member the game. Hit me with a follow. It's totally free. It'll tell you whenever I'm online. You can come by and argue with me and see my dumb face. And it's, it's good times. Good fucking times. All right. I am going to thank some Patreons and get the fuck out of here. I'll be back tomorrow for all our Patreons with Expansion Pass 151, where we'll talk about what we would do with the next Nintendo console. Game Patch goes live on Friday with all the biggest news and video games over the last week. And I'll be back a week from right now with Remember the Game 238, where we'll be talking Wonder Boy in Monster Land, one of the oldest games we've ever talked about on the show. Really looking forward to that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you later. Cheers. Goodbye. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not puke up all the content I turn out every week without all of your support. The following people are at the Senior Executive Vice President level or higher at patreon.com slash rememberthegame. And as such, I'm contractually obligated to say their names as quickly as possible. So this is going in reverse alphabetical order based on your email addresses. A huge thank you to... Zach Shepard, Zane Donovan, Arctic Fission, Tunable Power, Joe Buck, Mizuru, Kia Pup, Dark Skywalter, Antonio Echeverria, Wolfgang, Darren, Works For Me, Skillerooney, JVision719, Super Nintendo Chalmers, Denton Van Zan, John Woodruff, Lord Longron, Von Hugendong II, Wolf Magic 21, Tyler Bauer, Hired Goons, who? Trevor McKee, Quiet Place Queen, Fuzzy99, Tone Bone Swiss, Doogie, Timothy Sabrinsky, Thomas Smith, E, Ryan Calton, Mike Maloney, That One Kid Josh, Scary Terry, Frosty Feet 490, Thomas Childs, Joe Stone, Atriu Wormwood, Squints, Robbie DLC, C-Spin, Sour Goatface, Solomon Soto, Sam Wright, Jimothy, Edridge FPV, Shoeboxers, DBXJ, Timmy the Exuberant Turtle, Steve Dalp, Scott Brooks, Blaine the Hoagie Man, Bucky the Beagle Herder, Sam Carpenter, Max Sandin, Mercury869, Sabin, Squeak Nuts, Ruben Elizald, Ray San Wantonga, Wyatt the Surgeon Who's Not a Surgeon Roll, Blobby K. Rogers, Knife Goes In, Guts Come Out, OT Plays Games, Slick Rick, Brian Richmond, Titan 420, Randy Barrage, Sean Ramos, Alexis Ramos, Russell Aldridge, Ryan Perry, Denzalo, Frosty Bear, Stephen Parnell, B Money, Musty Beetle, Nick Creature, Cam Nelly 23, Brian Neese, Nathan Tremblay, Nayef E, Esteban Navarro, DB Cooper, Mr. Papa Giorgio, Morgan, Zonko 504, Phil McCracken, Mark But Not McHugh, Tristan Anderson, Bulma Simp, Beef Dingleberry, Matt Hamilton, Angry Ticks, Leroy Westrich, Mark Sneed, Bud Lightyear, Gabe, Aaron Lawson, Kayach, Munch Makuchi, Chris Lovin, Postman, Ryan Kinchin, Kevin Monroe, I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt in my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt, Devilish Saint, Alexander Camps, Sleeper Hit, No One Cares, Stud Still Smash, Jeff Bergeron, Raging Irish, Jordan, Chugger22, Oroku Saki's Gardener, Johnny CCDC, John Jameson, Laces Out Dan, Beaver Boy, Joey Mercury, Joe LeBlanc, John M. Watkins, Jay Callahan, Jake Carter, John of the Adult Children Podcast, Sharonic, Welsh Destroyer, James Black, James Juan Francesco, Jacob Adams, Evolva, Isaias, Phil Lencher, Holmes, Roldy in the Deep, Faded Sufferance, Lucas Zell- Valadez, Jameer Williams, Maverick Marty, G9PSX, Graham, Brant Hewitt, Fajer Burns, Super Dad Bros Podcast, Shorzy, Nomad, E-Man, Trucker, Agent Booty Pants, Eric James, Daniel DeVore, Dr. Nightmare 23, Ryan Maurice, current Remember the Game Hall of Famer Mark McHugh, and Boys on the Roof, Doug Dorn, Dill Pickle Rick, Decoy Man, Digital Dave, Dakota Guy, Oh My God, It Froze, Dave McGee, Chris Williams, Daniel, David Marcus, Robier, Zach Coiner, Adam Fletcher, Colin Bollinger, Cody Richardson, James Clark, Jugs Bed, okay, Christian Gabriel, Makeshift, Mallow Magic Money, Triple Chris Dickin, Chris Fleury, DP Pooper, Adam Blank Still Hasn't Reviewed, Banjo Tui, Hitchy Poo, Burt McLean, Burt Macklin, fuck, I was doing so good, Bulla, Elijah Burns, High Plains Drifter, General Fury, Bobby Litton, Nerdy Hybrid, Captain M, Bit DNA, Biddy DNA Gaming, Dan Food, 
Usman, Brandon, Helm, Heckle, Hegel, Waffle, It's OG, Michael Barjudina, Brandon Dezeba, Zamatos, It's the Bigfoot, Benjamin Atkins, Andrew Wright, Dave Thompson, Andy Hudson, Andre, Itchy Nutsaru, Alex R, A-Town, West Jenna, dude named Adam, Adam Martinet, just a fish and Terry Cox. <laughs> that was a pretty good one, actually. Purple Monkey Dishwasher. See you, everybody.